0: what's up what's up it's tommy runs and this is the run eat sleep show hosted by yours truly tommy runs today's episode number is 110 we are on episode 110 people we are moving right along not sure where we're going but we're going somewhere fast and we're liking the direction and velocity in which we are getting there i don't know what's wrong with me right now but i'm having a fun rambling to you about nothing So let's just get into who is on this episode. Today, we had C.J. Alberson stop by. C.J. Alberson is a professional runner. He is a Brooks uh, athlete as well. He actually is an amazing person and really fun to talk to. And then on top of that, apparently, he has better healing power than Wolverine. So in this episode, we talked about his, to me, monumental feat of running two races seven days apart. CIM California National Marathon and then the Baja Marathon seven days apart then he ran one second faster in Baja Mexico seven days after running I think 211.09 in at CIM so it was like incredible bounce back ability right and went after it again to make sure that he had the Olympic standard and it was I just I'm like I'm still like every time I say it's like seems crazy like it seems like one should be much slower than the other maybe the one after the first one i don't know but i got a bunch of tips from him because if you know me you know that i'm going to be running osaka marathon and tokyo so i got some tips on from him on how to recover faster so i think all of us can you know stand to learn a little bit more about recovery and how to do it fast because We have workouts and big long runs and we need to figure out how to recover quickly so we can be prepared for the next run. And then also not be too sore from like big workout to next long run because soreness and things like that can cause you to change the way you run a little bit um, and maybe end up hurting yourself or want to stay off the road and not be motivated to get through your training block, blah, 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 blah. So we talked about so much stuff. It was a really cool conversation. I got a bunch of tips from him. So hopefully you can also benefit from these tips. We talked about the Brooks Hyperion Elite Four, which he loves. It's a shoe that's going to be coming out very soon. Uh, We talked about Hobbit Feet, apparently. Movies, uh, CIM, then Baja, How to Recover Fast. And then the coolest part was about nailing the nutrition because nutrition apparently is not only to help you get through that run, but it's a great way to help you recover as well. So we talked about nailing nutrition and mantras and all the things in between. Thank you so much, CJ. Thank you so much for checking out this episode. Make sure you subscribe. Enjoy this chat. Let's talk to you at the end. You were just talking about um, uh, the Hyperion Elite Four and how it's uh, how much it's a big step to the you know in, the, in a good direction. You ran a couple of races in them recently, right?
1: Yeah, I've ran. I think I think Boston was my first race in them, and then all my races this year have been in them. So the the past three races I've done in the past like five or six weeks were all in in the Hyperion Elite Forest. Um. So yeah, I've had them for a little while, but yeah, they're they're definitely great. Um. I actually do all of my mileage in them now because really like, they're my favorite uh, feeling shoe. Um, obviously like they're fast and they're racing shoe, Um, but they're also just light and, you know, have a lot of cushion. Um, yeah. but they're still like, yeah, I don't know. They, they're just, I just feel mo- most comfortable in them. Um, and the upper is really like, I mean, there's nothing really there. It's uh very flexible and I have kind of awkwardly shaped feet. So my, <laughs> my feet are really thick and wide. And so they don't always fit great into, into lots of shoes. Yeah. Um, but these, I think the toe box is maybe a little bit wider and the upper just kind of allows your your foot to, you know, to spread out or do what it wants. So my, my, I actually feel comfortable in the shoe, just like, you know, without any of the technology, just like the way my foot actually feels in it feels comfortable, which isn't true for a lot of shoes. You know, since yeah. I started running when I was 10 years old, I've always like struggled to fit into shoes. But these I really like, Um and then, you know, obviously like the technology and, and uh, the cushion and the speed, it just, they just feel great. And I, you know, get a, a good supply of them. So if they feel yeah. way better than every other shoe, you know, I'm like, all right. I'm yeah. It's like, it's like, you know, how,
0: yeah. Like us amateurs, like we have to like, kind of like save it. Like, oh, we really <laughs> like this shoe. So only do one workout, one long run, make sure you like it and then hold off for like race day. But you're like, no, like just keep sending them I'll, I'll i'll keep wearing them so is <laughs> yeah. it true that is it true that um some shoes in the past like you've had to cut little portions of the sh- of the upper out so that your shoe your foot can do its thing
1: yeah d- basically just cuz my foot is um somewhere between like a 2 to 3e e and a 4e like my right foot it measures almost at like a 4e and they don't i mean they don't make that especially in racing shoes it's just you, they don't even make wide erasing shoes at all. So my um particularly on my, my right foot, like my pinky toes just always you know, been super smashed in and it just yeah. is, I get these like little like calluses and blisters uh-huh. on the side of it. So I would just cut like little strips or like little holes right where my pinky goes pinky yeah. toe is so we can like you know nudge out the side so that it's not it's not like ballet shoes like all crinkled in and rubbing. Yeah. yeah. So Yeah, I've done that in the past. And then um, some shoes in the past, the, the, my foot is pretty thick. So the, uh, I don't know, like where, like the kind of the top of your foot is, it would rub Mm -hmm. on that and give me some blisters. So I kind of cut like the tops of it a little bit differently. I I,
0: I think I saw a picture of like one of those, like almost like where the laces. Yeah. Normally like that, like that structure part there sometimes can be a little restrictive.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Gosh, and I have, like, a really thick foot, and um, it's interesting having kids now because, like, I see my toddler, and oh, no. his little two-year-old feet are so, like, just thick. Like, I mean, they're they're big and kind of wide, but just, like, the thickness of them is, like, you can really <laughs> tell when you look at other little kids. Like, yeah, <laughs> we have some thick feet, and so, yeah, that, you know, that top of the foot just gets restricted a little bit. But in the, in these Hyperion in the Elite Fours, I have, no, I mean, I don't need to alter them at all. Um, you know, not everyone's going to have as big and wide as thick as feet as I do, but, um, you know, but they should feel comfortable for anyone.
0: (laughs) I I feel, I mean, I feel your pain to in a way, because I mean, I don't know if everybody knows it, but like, I have like, my feet are like long, like I have like a bigger feet, I guess for like my height, you know? So like, Mm -hmm. I've always been kind of self-conscious about like, going, like, barefoot, you know, in public, because it just, like, it doesn't, like, it, to me, when I look at it, like, it doesn't fit, you know what I mean? Um, and, like, my kid one day was, like, I think she was probably, she had to be, like, maybe, like, six or seven or something like that, and, like, she asked her mom, like, is, like, is dad a clown, you know? And she's like, no, what do you mean? And then, like, she picked up my shoe and was, like, you know, this is, has to be a clown shoe, like, because it was such, it was so big compared to like her or whatever. So like, I'm sure that you're like, you look at your kid and you're like, okay, you got my feet. So here we go. You know, (laughs) I'll, I'll, I'll I'll prepare you for all the struggles of, 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 of a wide foot. I'm thinking I'm picturing like Hobbit feet for some reason right now.
1: Yeah. They're they're a little bit similar to that. Yeah.
0: Okay. So you felt that you felt that's been said about
1: my feet before
0: okay okay well yeah i wasn't saying it i'm just saying what i what i was picturing you know while you're describing this foot you could have just said like hey like have you seen you know the lord of the rings or hobbit then i'd be like yeah and then you'd be like those are the feet that i have that i put in." i uh,
1: haven't seen the lord of the rings so (laughs) you haven't seen the lord of rings or hobbit no
0: do you like refuse to because of that
1: no i just i i think i saw one maybe it was the first one when i was like a, a young kid with my um with my family mm-hmm. and we didn't know it was like a is it a trilogy it's a multi-party it's like
0: a, yeah it's like six of them
1: okay i don't know see it, what see, we didn't yeah. know it was a multi-party so the movie just kind of ended and <laughs> obviously the story wasn't finished and we were just very confused we're like we've been in this movie theater for like three hours oh. and it ended and it's just you know just was, like yeah like what and, and we didn't particularly i didn't particularly like it maybe if i watch some of them now maybe i would like them more but I don't know I just never got into it never watched them I uh, never watched Star Wars either I think I've seen one of them I don't know which one okay what else but,
0: what uh, other What other ones like are just like out there that you just know you feel like you should have watched like have you seen any like the Godfathers no so you're just so I mean uh, that's okay so you're just not like a but
1: you're not like a movie guy are you a movie guy Uh no not really I pretty much only watch like just kind of Lighthearted comedies that don't necessarily have a, yeah, basically just like, a, just yeah, yeah, like
0: no deep, crazy storyline, just like some, yeah, nice sometimes I like do. those.
1: Um, but it's just gotta have the right balance, like it can't be like super, super serious. But I do like, I mean, every once in a while, I like I'll like a movie with a good plot, but if there's yeah. like too much action, like if, if we if there's just like 20 minute <laughs> scenes of like just battles or whatever, I kind of lose interest. <laughs> um so it's like you know a good mix of like like an action comedy with kind of like a, a mystery plot like all kind of like that as well right. but
0: right. um so so like so John wick is off the table
1: yeah because I, I you know I, Have i've you, heard the name but could not tell you who he is. I'm, I'll <laughs> let
0: you. I'll, I'll let you know now. Based on the, what you just said, you don't want to watch any of those movies. I mean, he, there's like hundreds of people die in each one by his hands. You know, like it's like the whole movie's action in him killing people. So, um, yeah, plot is he continue. He doesn't die apparently. So, <laughs> um, it, it's on like John Wick Four right now, and he's killed a lot of people. So yeah, don't let's just skip that one for you. Um, and then on to like we. Got, I feel like you got to try to give. Lord of the Rings, like one extra try, one day, maybe not today, but someday, yeah, you know. Like,
1: maybe if my kids are interested in it, you know, we'll watch one and
0: yeah. And well, because to my to my defense though, like I watched it after, like Hobbit had started, like because it's a three parter for Lord of the Rings, and then Hobbits the th- like the prequel series to that so like I started watching it after like five of these movies had already been like set and people were talking about for so much like fine I'll watch it so I, I sat down to watch it in the comfort of my own home not in the movie for three hours Um with knowing that like eventually this is going to be you know like even after the first movie I know like okay gotta watch the second one because obviously there's going to be more to this story so I I, I think I had a, a heads up that it's going to be that was like a longer you know a sign on you know what I mean yeah yeah but anyway so yeah back to we haven't even talked about running yet so thank you so much for being on the show um and you just recently did some pretty it's like in everybody's minds like it's it's a crazy thing that you just did um you ran wait wait first let me get let me get get this correct so you ran cim right and then how many days later you ran uh the Mar- the baja marathon
1: it was a it was a week. So, so Sunday set, to Sunday.
0: Sunday to Sunday. And then you only ran, well not only, you ran one second faster in Mexico than you did seven days before, and that's two eleven oh nine and then two eleven oh eight. Yeah. And um did you know <laughs> I I don't even know what to ask you about this. Um did you know that like how did you do that?
1: Uh, I just, I mean, basically I just did it. Um, yeah, I did CIM that, that was on the calendar. wanted to do that and try to win it. Um, and so I did. And then the Mexico race was just, I I hadn't planned on doing it. Um, but I don't know. I was just like thinking, uh, that two 1130 time, like if it is hot in Orlando might be difficult to hit. um, mm-hmm. You know, and I needed that time to be uh, to be eligible to to be selected for the Olympics. If I'm top three at the Olympic trials, um, and I have run that time, but none of the courses that I ran it on counted because there's there's different. Uh, you know, a race can can count for the Olympic trials and it can count for world rankings, um, but it doesn't. But it can still not count for for time standards. So I hadn't ran a race that counted as a time standard under the two eleven thirty time, um, and I anticipate I'll run faster in that other Olympic trials. But at uh, um, eight years ago in LA, when it was warm, third place was two thirteen, and it was like if that same scenario happens and I'm, you know, second or third and run two twelve or two thirteen, just like in LA, then I'm not going to get to go to the Olympics. And I'm like, I, I'm like, I don't want to wow. have that stress. Um, so I. Yeah. Whereas before, I guess I was kind of okay with having that stress. Um, but I don't know. I just, I just did this race in Mexicali and it seemed, it was world athletics certified. It, it counted as a, as a time standard race. Um, my legs had started to feel good by about Wednesday. And so <laughs> I just so said, crazy. all right, like I, you know, I've, it's a perfectly flat course. The weather will be good. I think I can run, you know, I, I can run the time. So I'm just going to do it. And if I don't do it, you know, there's no, no harm. It's like, I'm just in the same position I was before. Um, and I know like, you know, if my legs are like really hurting or if there's an injury coming up or whatever, you know, whatever negatives you could think of as like, why you shouldn't run a marathon back to back. Like I know that going in and I know how my body feels. So, you know, I knew I could just, I could just drop out or stop at any time. If there was going to be anything serious that would hamper my, my training uh, yeah. for the Olympic trials. So yeah, there really wasn't much to lose. I just, um, yeah, I just kind of last minute, well, very last minute decided to do it. And oh, so, know, so
0: like, I mean, start. like what day did you sign up for this race?
1: Uh, that win Wednesday night,
0: man, poor, 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 whoever there was, whoever like knew just in their mind that they were like a lot to win that race. <laughs> then all of a sudden you're just like, you know what? I think I'm gonna run this race really quick. And congratulations on, like, not not only just running two great races back-to-back, but two wins back-to-back has to feel pretty good to end the
1: year. Yeah, no, it's always fun. It's always fun to to run and win. And up until that point, I actually hadn't won, like, a big race. Um, You know, like, CIM was a a fairly big race, and I hadn't won a race of that caliber before. Um, Mm -hmm. I had been second a handful of times at some, you know, kind of – uh the tier below like, like you have the world like marathon tier. majors like boston new york chicago and that like, then so under like, that that like in the
0: US... those are like tier one like is that I mean is that is that was a tier one like a like a like a major marathon or like a very big race and then like would like cim be like a tier two type of marathon?
1: yeah yeah you could call it yeah yeah th- there's not like official tiers but yeah mm-hmm. i would say like that like the three marathon the three u.s World Marathon major races are, you know, I would consider the tier one. And then you have like, you know, some races like CIM, Grandmas, um, Houston, you know, races like that, that are probably like tier two. And so I've been, you know, top five or second at a handful of those type tier races, um, but I had never won. So to to win CIM was good just to get a, just to get a win under my belt and know that I can finish out a race and win. Um, And then, in Mexicali same thing it was you know i had i had a couple of kenyan athletes running with me for the majority of the race and even one you know all the way uh, until the last uh 5 or 600 meters, you know and we were running fast we are running 211 right around 211 flat pace so um that was like a good competition and um again it's not like a huge world marathon race but it's still a um still a decently fast race with some good competition and just practicing winning it and, uh, and actually getting the win is always fun. So, um, yeah, good. it was a good two weeks. And yeah. then I've been able to go right into the training. I think I got the week after the Mexicali race, I got 127 miles in for, uh, that week. So, basically, I was able to, you know, jump right into training. And it didn't like, you know, it's not like I had to take like two weeks off and be yeah. severely hampered in my training for the trials. It was like I basically could – Take a day or two easy and then i was you know in full normal training for the trials what um i mean you have to i mean not
0: everybody's like i I know you saw when we talked about you um whether who heals faster um (laughs) cj alberson or or or, uh, wolverine like what what do you attribute some of like the recovery um i mean because i mean you're, you're recovering really fast to be able to 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 run Two marathons back to back not only like just do them in the distance and maybe one's a few minutes off of the other because it's the you know seven days later but he literally ran one second faster um on maybe even arguably a more challenging course because it's flat and not net down um what do you attribute the the recovery process to and your ability to kind of turn that around like that
1: um well first i think the the flat course like the Perfectly flat course, like the Mexicali one was, is faster than a course like CIM. Obviously, CIM is net downhill, but there is over 600 feet of elevation gain, um, which isn't trivial in a marathon. I mean, it's a good amount, and I'm not like just super, super good uphill. So I think overall, just the the impact and the toll CIM takes on your body is a lot more, or at least a little bit more than a, a flat race. Okay. Um, and then, you know, the specific times will kind of vary from runner to runner. Obviously CIM can be fast. Um, but flat races, you know, I think are faster, um, but it just depends. But, um, yeah, as far as recovery, I think a big part of it is just, it's not necessarily new to my body. Um, you know, cause when you think about soreness or anytime you've been sore, it's usually because you added some stimulus, some workout, something that you've you've maybe not never done before, but you haven't done for a while, or you haven't done it at that intensity. Um, you know, and so like, if you start weightlifting, for example, you'll be really sore, Mm -hmm. but after you've been weightlifting for six months, even if you hit a pretty hard workout, you might be a little sore, but more likely you're just going to kind of be fatigued. You won't really feel like super sore. Like you can go lift the next day, um, or two days later and and be relatively fine. And so I think for me and marathons, a lot of my long runs and training are very close to race pace. So it may not necessarily be a full marathon at my PR. Obviously, I'm not PR in every week, but I'm running pretty close. You know, if my race pace is between 455 to five flat for a marathon, um, then, you know, I'm running my long runs between like 505 05 to 510. Um, oh, really? And so it's that's pretty close. So you're getting, you know, your muscles are getting uh, a similar. I don't know, fatigue level, I guess. Um, yeah. and like all the things that you feel sore with, it's like, I've, I've done that so many times. Um, so that it's, it's, I am still getting sore. Like I'm still getting fatigued, but it's just like, that's, you know, yeah. it's, it's way different than if like, okay, you've done two 20 mile long rounds and prep for your marathon. And now you go race a marathon that's one, six miles longer, but it's also faster than the pace you've been training at. Like, yeah, you're going to be pretty sore and beat up. So, um, it's, yeah, it's just different. Um, and I've done, you know, this is like my, I think like my 19th marathon that I've actually raced. And then I've Mm -hmm. done, you know, multiple 50 Ks I've done tons of runs, 24 miles or longer in training. So it's just, it's just, I've done it so much. And then there's aspects of nutrition in there. So, um, it is, it's easier to recover when you're not in like extreme glycogen debt. So like I'm taking, you know, like in a race, I'm taking about 200 grams of carbohydrates just Mm. during the race itself. So hopefully I'm starting the race off with, you know, fully stocked glycogen levels. Um, and then I'm taking in 200. So obviously I'm still depleting it, but I'm not getting like you know, I still probably have some decent reserves in there. And then obviously I eat and stuff after. So my glycogen stores can replenish, um, fairly quickly after a race, you know, maybe within a, within a day or two. And so that kind of signals to my body and its hormones and everything that like, okay, like you you know, you're, you're okay. Like we're not in this extreme stress state where we're low on energy reserves, like everything's good. So part of it is the nutrition during the race um hydrating throughout the race um i took some uh like martin bicarb the night before just kind of like preload with sodium and kind of keeps you held uh hydrated um yeah just with that that sodium and kind of hyper hydrates you the, the night before a little bit um and so that helps you recover a little bit um and offer also buffer some acidity if you have you know if you're in a marathon you're not building up too much acidity but um you know and then I have like some other like supplements, I, you know, don't know how much they help, but maybe just a little bit, like um, Alt Red. I'll take um, it's like Betelins, um, yeah, and just, just other little things that like I've tinkered with over over the time that um that have helped or that seem like they help and it just kind of all adds together. Um, yeah. and then obviously, like you know, the shoes help too, having really cushioned shoes like that just. You just, you know, you're gonna Everything. be tired, but your legs aren't necessarily getting as beat up as like if I ran those races barefoot. Um, i probably going not do it.
0: I've, I know you. So yeah, I know you. You all your marathons, you've run well ahead of like where where like the normal folks are at. But you know, like every now and then, I'll be running a race, and you'll see somebody around like that three hour pace, or maybe even a little under, like running barefoot, and like I see it and I ju- it just blows my mind every time. I mean, I know that I mean, I don't know why what what the what the what the point I guess of it all is, but there's people that run barefoot and I don't know how they do it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, in theory, if you've been running if you ran barefoot from from birth, um, you know, it could it could theoretically it could be beneficial um or more efficient in a way, but I mean, we all—I mean, at least everyone here—we all grew up with shoes, for the most part, wearing shoes. So, like, if you just all sudden, like, if I were to all of a sudden switch after twenty years of running oh, in shoes, run, especially going oh, into good. these new era of shoes, and then try to run barefoot, it is just the 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 pros are not going to outweigh the cons at this point. Um, yeah, again, for if sure. you if you just grew up and never ever had a pair of shoes, and you always just ran barefoot, or maybe had like some coating on the bottom of your foot so you didn't step on nails or something like then then yeah you know it can maybe work and and some people have had some injuries that maybe maybe they've had some success with barefoot running there's definitely benefits and in a way is more natural and and can and forces your foot to move in different ways mm-hmm. um because it has to absorb forth and, and it just has to func you have to be more functional with your foot whereas you can get away with some things that aren't as good with shoes but um, but yeah, I mean, it, I think the overall, the, the, uh, yeah. reduced impact from shoes I think are helping and, um, oh, I'm enjoying it, it, it also takes energy to absorb, like they've done studies where like when you're running barefoot, you, you just naturally have a, a lower power output, like a higher lower, mm. because part of it is because like your body is like, it, it knows that you have, to, if you exert more force, you have to absorb that force and so you're it takes work for the muscles to like actually absorb force mm-hmm. um, and so the, so then your you know your bones and joints aren't taking the brunt of it cuz like you have to absorb the force somehow so if if you take that out of the equation where like you can just ab- um, exert a lot of force into the ground and the shoes will absorb some of it then like your your muscles right. don't have to absorb some of it um, and, like, your body adapts, like your like your Achilles, for example, will get better. Like, your stored elasticity will get better, like, with barefoot running. So then some of that, like, energy transfer is more efficient and, and better if you practice barefoot running. But, um, yeah. yeah, it just takes a lot of work. And it's kind of, at this point, for me, like, to do a lot of oh, no. running. Even running on a yeah, track just... with spikes is so... Uh, Kind it's kind of dangerous the like, likelihood of injury is so high like i just i don't do it
0: <laughs> yeah I, I mean no yeah you 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 talked me out of it i was gonna i was maybe considering it um but i'm not doing it anymore just because of you um but yeah i was i was listening to you talk about like you kind of said some things some like some of the fueling and nutrition that you've kind of tinkered with over the years um and you kind of like talked about it like in a low-key way but for some reason i pictured you like in your kitchen like a mad scientist with all these different things like going through, like especially before race day. I mean, do you feel, I, I just somehow get like, you've really kind of like fine tuned your strategy when it comes to like race day. And then even through training and recovery and all that stuff. Um, what's your advice for folks that, that, you know aren't are doing this you know as uh, for fun but like have goals in the marathon have goals in the half marathon or whatever it is and what do you what's your advice for how people could go about kind of building their strategy considering they don't have bottles on course and things like that
1: um yeah i mean a lot, a lot of the nutrition part is you don't have to do tons of tinkering because it's fairly well studied so you can get a pretty good baseline of where to go so for the most part, most like humans can handle 60 grams of carbohydrates per hour um, relatively easily. Like you may need to practice a few times, but 60 grams of carbohydrates per hour is a general baseline. Um, And so just, just knowing, okay, like you look at some gels, you know, okay, if I, if this is, if this gel is 20 grams in a gel, then I'll take one every 20 minutes and it's Mm -hmm. kind of a a nice one-to-one ratio 60 minutes 60 Mm -hmm. grams you know on average you're taking a gram a minute um you can get up to more more than that like i'll take up to like 100 grams an hour um i don't uh, there's like different path like glucose and fructose will take different pathways of absorption don't necessarily need to get into all that but basically um simply put some things digest either the easier than others. So like a maltodextrin-based gel. So if you look at the back of the ingredients and it says maltodextrin, and that's like the, the form of sugar, you generally need less water uh, to absorb that through the gut. So maltodextrin-based things will typically be a little bit easier to digest for most people. Whereas fructose, sucrose, glucose, they, they uh, require a little bit more water. So sometimes people will have that Sloshy, just can like, ah, oh, my, I don't no. feel, my stomach doesn't feel good, type of feeling when they have gels that have those. So I started with science and sport gels. They're called like the isotonic gels. They're a little bit bigger. Um, they say isotonic because their the formation is isotonic, so you don't need extra water to absorb it. Just in the little two ounce gel, it's supposed to absorb just naturally. You don't have to bring in extra water into the gut to absorb that amount of maltodextrin. Um, so it's just a pure maltodextrin gel from the first time I used it, I absorbed it very easily. Um, it took me some practice cause I had some stomach issues. Like when I first started even just drinking water on runs. Um, but, af- but you know, within a few sessions practicing on long runs, it helped. Now I use precision hydration. It has some, um, like multi or glucose and fructose. So it, allows you to absorb a little bit more. And my, my stomach's been trained. I can handle it. So that gives me 30 grams per gel. And it just allows me to intake a little bit more. And my stomach handles it well after practicing a lot. So I take those. But yeah, just look for any type of gel. Again, I'd start with a multiduction-based one, start practicing with it. Maybe just take one every four to five miles in a long run, or maybe even one every six miles. And then slowly like as you start feel feeling more comfortable with it you know you don't have stomach issues start to bring that down to where you're taking a gel every 20 minutes or so um it's hard carrying them all on the course like if you're <laughs> going to be taking like seven or eight gels in a race yeah. like yeah how do you hold them all um we do i do get you know elites will have bottles out on the course so i take them to my bottle but in the past there has been some races where i haven't done that so if the race is cool enough arm warmers are great um yeah i can fit easily without any inconvenience or weird feeling at all i can fit two gels in each arm warmer so i'll have four just in my um you know just like right here like on my wrist and it's tight so i don't feel anything so that's four right there and then i slip one in each little pocket so i don't get any jiggle or bounce from it because when i mm-hmm. start to put more than one in a pocket it kind of bounces i don't know it just feels weird you get a little weird, so i yeah. can have six and feel almost nothing um they also have the little waistbands i don't hmm. really like those i don't know for whatever reason they just felt tight around my waist and i, I don't know i just didn't really like i i i want i like them sometimes but I don't know. Ultimately, I just didn't. I like my arm sleeve way better. Uh, but yes. there are waistbands that can hold up to like six gels, and so I think if you find different little ways, if you're a woman, you know, you can put one in your sports bra or any cheat, basic huge cheat code, clothing. bro. Yeah,
0: such so like so, 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 the huge cheat code. I was like, you know, I was I think I was I was running with a lady, and like she had one like in the spot like in her sports bra. I'm like, that's like I can't even. Like I got on shorts here with like, I got these little floppy pockets, you know? Um, but yeah, I, I love the, the, the arm sleeves. I've done, I've done that a lot. The arm sleeve, um, you know, put the, put the gels in there. Um, and people don't even think about it. Like they'll have them on and not even think to like stuff a gel in there or two. But one, like I think for, I still have the scar from it. Like I wasn't paying attention when I put it, you know, put the gel in there and it, Because they're like that aluminum, not aluminum, but they're that packaging in all of the gels can be a little harsh. So it must have like turned under and like literally was scratching scratching me the whole run. I didn't even feel it, though. But then like afterwards, like I have this like scar because of it. So just be careful when you put it in there. But um, those are great. Yeah, because you can easily carry four. And they're really accessible, though, because some of the pockets for some of these like half tights or shorts are in spots where they try to make it so he doesn't jiggle around as much but that means they're in less convenient places to get to you know like if yep. you have a zipper in the back of your shorts in a in a race you're trying to like unzip oh, yeah. something and you know like that gets a little weird so i never use um,
1: zippers yeah
0: yeah you can't yeah you can't do zippers the brooks, it's just um
1: the brooks sherpa shorts are uh, they're, they're great i've taking so many gels, even on like my long runs, I'll put them in cause they have like small pockets that are like fairly tight, but they're, they're not zippered. Um, and so the gels stay in there pretty good. And they have like, they have like three inch stripper short sure ones too. So you could race in them, you know, have like a mm. small split short type ones. Um, and then Brooks is racing shorts. I think they sell them. I don't know what they're called, but they're like the, the two inch ones, but they got, they have like little pockets. They're probably made for like key pockets but they're perfect for one gel in each and there's like no movement because it's right on the side of your hip but you can still grab it pretty easily because it's not a zipper it's just like a little pouch type thing but it's right it fits perfectly for like a small gel and so um yeah you you do have to fiddle with your gear because some pockets just aren't like the first time i uh, this isn't related to pockets but the first time i ever ran a race where i taped my balls to my gel I was concerned about them like falling off. So I, I used all this tape. So <laughs> then when I grabbed the bottle, like I'm like, I cannot get this gel off. Cause I'm trying to run <laughs> five minute pace, trying to slash through all this tape. And I just way over taped it. And then I'm like, okay, yeah. like this is, it took me. What
0: race was this?
1: I Do don't know. I, it might've been this race in Modesto. It was a small marathon. I'm not, I don't fully remember.
0: My hope was that you are going to like... Because
1: I just had one bottle. They just put one bottle off of me that I had, like, all of my stuff on to, like, restock my gels. And oh, okay. I, I don't know. I just way over-taped it. So now I just use literally just one piece of, of scotch tape. And if, you know, if you tape it down good, right in the middle of the gel, it holds yeah. it down. But then I can just, like, kind of was- it right off and it comes out easy. So it's taken me a little bit of time, but... um yeah i think i was hoping you i was
0: was hoping you were gonna say like that you did that whole that tape job i was hoping you were gonna say like boston or something like that randomly
1: oh no (laughs)
0: yeah 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 um but um yeah speaking of speaking of boston i think that i mean that might have been like the first time that that like i like saw like you running you know or or, like maybe a lot of america was like oh who's this you know this guy's you know running really well i mean because you're you're you've, you've self you know you've said that you love running downhill you think you're a really great downhill runner so you just took a take advantage of the opportunity to to try to put some pressure on the rest of the field and just go out in boston first half quick and 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 go and and see what happens for the rest of the race um talk to me about like that first like that first boston for you and what the experience was like and um i kind of like wanted to know like what you were thinking like did you know i mean you obviously knew you were a good distance ahead at some point uh what were your thoughts that day
1: yeah the first boston was i mean first it was super exciting because it was my first boston my first world mar- uh first major marathon and so it was just yeah it was just like exciting to be in that environment um it was a little bit different it, that was in like the race in october and we we're just coming off of covid and i didn't know what boston was like so i didn't know that it was uh not that it was, like, tamed down, but there were there were less people out. It was just a little yeah. bit different feel. Um, but it was my first one, so it seemed exciting enough to me. Um, yeah, and then as the race went out, I definitely wasn't expecting to lead, you know, obviously because you're running against you know, some of the best guys in the world. Um, and I just kind of went out and just kind of did my own thing. And in the beginning, didn't really knew I had a lead or, or that it was that – big or growing um but then I kind of just went with it and just ran what I thought I could run um and what felt comfortable in the moment because I, I was I wasn't like oh I'm gonna slow down and wait for people mm-hmm. um so I just I just ran what felt comfortable and it's kind of funny because I you know in that race I had such a big lead but that's out of the three times I've run Boston that's the slowest I've ever gone out in at the first half I went out around 64 20 or so uh that race and then the next year we went out at like 63 30 and then this year i was at 62 19 so i've gone (laughs) over like a minute faster each time i've ran it the first half um you know like if i would have gone out the exact same way that i went uh out that first year when i had that big two minute lead i would have been two minutes behind this year um so it was just it was really just. Um, I decided just to run what kind of felt comfortable to me in the moment, um, and everyone else just ran historically very very slow for the first half, um, and so was it just it, was you know it made for an interesting dynamic on TV, but um, yeah. it wasn't as maybe crazy as it seemed when you were watching it live.
0: Yeah, yeah, live it's like, oh man, this guy's crazy, you know. Um but it, was it was it like his did they go out historically slow or do you feel like people are running it a
1: little differently now? Um it was historically slow, maybe not like Boston is sometimes slow. I mean, it just every race is different cuz there's no mm-hmm. pacers, you know, the weather is always different. So, it was on the slower end for a first half for sure. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. the past 2 years have been a little bit faster in the first half like this year Mm -hmm. i think was the second fastest i think ever in terms of time and the only you know for finishing time and that the one year was kind of an outlier year because they had a like a 20 mile an hour tailwind um and uh, usually boston's always a headwind um one year i ran it was kind of like very light wind but almost every year is a a little bit of a of a headwind because it's point to point that year was a big tailwind but so basically the, the past couple of years have been relatively fast. I think it will kind of always be on the faster end now. Um, and there'll be, you know, there'll be an outlier year where it's slower because of weather or something. But I think just with, with the shoes and the level of depth of talent of people now, it's just never going to be that slow. Like the first half is always going to be, mm-hmm. you know, under 64 minutes now and, and you're going to, and winning times, you know, are going to be at least two Oh seven or faster. Um, but yeah, it went from a historically slow year to now, you know, I think hmm. people are running it a little bit more aggressively because they're just not getting, they're not getting as beat up the first half, you know, maybe when you ran with like minimal shoes back oh, yeah. six, eight yeah. years ago, that first half, you kind of had to be a little bit more, uh, conservative cause it could really beat you up. But now it's like, you know, people, yeah, I feel like you just don't have to be as conservative. So um, and, and last year, you know, we had Kipchoge, so obviously it was faster, <laughs> but yeah. I think it'll continue to be pretty fast. And you've seen the winners the past couple years, like Benson Cabruto, Evans Chabet, when they get to that downhill portion, the last five miles, I mean, they're flying like they'll run miles in like the 420. Wow. So when you're throwing down those really fast miles downhill, like, yeah, their legs just aren't in shambles. Um, like they're, they're obviously feeling pretty good, so I think just the I think the race will continue to be pretty fast um you know kind of forever now again there'll be outlier years but
0: yeah no that that was um i mean it was it was really cool to watch and then it was it was i guess um it was cool to see like you know you did it again the next year too it's like this isn't like i'm not trying to just run out and be in the front to like just to do it or something like that you're like no this is I'm i'm going at this with some with some strategy um and then just pull you know make keeping the race honest too though because you do have those like moments where it is super slow for some reason and then all of a sudden they drop like a crazy second half and it's like you guys could we could have been going faster this whole time you know like it was more like a like a game or like a chess move or something like that to have it a little slower um so are you um so right now you're already back up to you know like 130 130 plus miles a week in training getting ready for for trials
1: Yeah, I was 130 last week. Uh, This week will probably end up being a little bit less uh, just because we had like Christmas and I didn't double Monday or Tuesday. And then um, I'm feeling kind of sick right now. So this week will probably end up being less, but I'll get as much training as I as I can. But yeah, I'll probably be somewhere between the 110s to 130s um, until the race.
0: Yeah. And how do you um, and is that like when you talk about uh, recovery, I mean, is nutrition and like in some of um, like the, the carbs and the sodium that we we're talking about earlier, the intake for those things, do those you feel like those help a, a lot during training too? Um, making sure that you're staying fueled properly? Because I think for a lot of people that are running much less miles than you and but still like in a marathon training block, I, I think we sometimes save all the nutrition talk for like the big long runs or as we get closer to race day, like how are we going to nail down our race day nutrition as opposed to thinking about it as a, as a, a marathon training block conversation?
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah. Nutrition plays a part in it. I mean, I'm not like taking gels every run, um, but like, (laughs) yeah, for my, for my long runs, some of my hard workouts, you know, I'm taking, taking gels, Uh, For those, like, those high intensity days, basically, those hard days, I want to make sure that I have enough fuel to, like, work out and meet that intensity, whereas, like, on other days, on easier days, you know, you don't necessarily need that, but you still need to, like, eat throughout the day, but you don't necessarily need, like, like, it's not necessary like, if you're going to go on an easy eight-mile run, like, you don't need to, like, take gels with you or do anything like that. Like, sometimes it's good to even run in a fasted state, um, as long as, like, you're afterwards or sometime throughout the day, you're, you're refueling. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's just kind of a, a balance of knowing like, okay, I can, um, when I need to work out hard, like I'm, I'm field. And then on other days I'm still like eating well and kind of just, you know, getting, yeah, getting the bulk of everything in, but it doesn't, it doesn't always necessarily have to be like super like measured or like, like you can have, like your body should be able to have some flexibility, um, mm-hmm. as long as in the long term you're getting enough fuel and at the right times, and you have enough carbs and at least a little bit of protein, yeah, uh, or adequate protein,
0: um, yeah, no, I, I hear, I hear that for sure. Um, I was gonna ask you something earlier, but I, you know, I we kind of, I think we, I don't know where we went, um, right after that. But do you remember, um, the first race you ever won?
1: um like ever the first race i ever ran i won Won. it was in fourth grade we had we had fourth grade cross country in our elementary schools um the first race was kind of like a preview meet so you raced all the schools in your in your like high school area so like all the schools that would eventually feed into the high school i went to i think there's seven of them we all all the fourth graders raced and um i ended up winning that race and then it was like that was the first race i'd ever done and i won and so i was like oh that was that was cool oh here we are yeah (laughs) i liked running i liked winning and then i i won every race that season um at least in the in our district then i I did some like i think it was like some aau races or i I may did one or two aau races uh racing people from like kind of over the the valley and and the state and i yeah. Um, I lost some of those, but in my area, the first season i won. So.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I think starting off with like, it was that like the beginning to your running every, like that was a first time you really started running like that. Or were you running a lot before and like at home or something like that, and then jumped into fourth grade race?
1: Um. No, yeah, that was my first time. I didn't know running was a sport before, <laughs> before fourth grade. Um. I think, I mean, I'd heard of like track, but like, Cross country, I'd never heard of, and I didn't really. I I did like a bunch of sports, like I did, you know, basketball, baseball, wrestling, flag football, soccer, about, know, all the sports that favorite? you could do. Um, and then when I had gone to gone to the elementary school I ended up going to in fourth grade, in the fall, cross country was the only sport that you were you could do. You had to be in fifth grade to play football. Um, so I just, you know, my dad was like, "Yeah, there's cross country in the fall." so i just kind of went out for it um i always liked running like you know looking back even in like practices for other sports like you'd have to run or do conditioning or whatever and i always tried to win i never just got through the conditioning like i wanted to win every every time we ran to the wall or back whatever it was like Mm -hmm. i had to try to win um and so yeah i i liked running i just didn't know it was a thing and then when i started doing it in an organized setting i was like yeah i like i like this and i like racing
0: what, what was your favorite sport outside of uh, running?
1: Um, It just depended on the – I never played – I played football. I was basically like in third grade and playing a lot of fifth and sixth graders, and it was flag football. So it wasn't really good because I was just so much smaller than everyone. Um, I think I, I wanted to play in elementary school because, like, in recess, I would just kind of dominate. But it was during cross-country season, <laughs> and, and – in sixth grade, I kind of thought about trying to do both, but it just didn't work. Um, so I don't know. Maybe I would have liked football, but I played basketball and baseball the most. Um, baseball, our team was pretty good. We made it. We made it on TV, like we played on ESPN two in like the the Western oh, Regional wow. Championship game for Little League. We didn't quite get to Williamsport. We lost in the game that that gets you to the the Little League World Series. Um, so I played with some really great baseball players couple of them ended up getting drafted, ones played in the majors now, some others in like triple oh, a. Okay. So I played with some great baseball players and I I liked it a little bit um but then it was the same time as track and I also kind of got bored in baseball. There's a lot of like standing around and I like I like baseball practices actually cuz like you can just feel the hundred ground balls in a row or a hundred you know um pop flies or whatever in the outfield like in a row or just like batting practice like i like the active part like so i like the practice but the games are like just staying around waiting for the ball and like or yeah you know you get three or four at bats a game um so i get kind of bored i like pitching though if i got to pitch you know that was yeah. fun um yeah, basketball yeah. my dad was a basketball coach so i grew up you know however age i could hold the, hold the basketball i started playing I played up through my freshman year and then my sophomore year. I stopped of high school. Um, yeah, I liked it. It was just it was just a lot of like work in you know high school basketball. You you pretty much practice year round almost. Um, you play summer ball and then you're practicing then you know fall through like early spring. You're playing and then you get ready for spring ball and and so summer ball again. And I just I was good at running and I liked running a lot more than I liked basketball. Um, so I just, then it's like, all right, I'm just going to do running. And then I stopped growing. So it was, I didn't know I was going to stop growing freshman year, but um, you know, it helped that I stopped playing basketball when I also stopped growing. So <laughs> I, yeah, I, yeah, I, right. I ended up, uh, I was good in like junior high and freshman year because I was an average height. You know, I was like five, seven and a half or whatever I am now. When you're in eighth grade or freshman year, like you were average oh, yeah, height. You're, you're great. height yeah. for a point guard. So I was, you know, and I could, I played good defense and was smart, so I could I could play well. But, you know, I would have ended up not being very good because, just you
0: know. Yeah, I mean, you got to be super. (laughs) You got to be exceptional, you know, like to be like five seven, five eight, and like you know still yeah, and make it any farther than that. But, um, yeah. So I think you made the right decision, you know, just to to lean into running. I think you did you did well for yourself.
1: Yeah, it worked
0: out. <laughs> um, So I I, get, I always kind of like, when I get to watch people like on TV, um, you know, run and just kind of like tell that line of like pretty much almost redlining, you know, like for, you know, a c- couple hours, you know, at least. Um, I always kind of wonder, like, what are your, do you have a certain like thought process or like mantras that you always kind of go back to? Or are they always different or? Um, just kind of would love some insight on, on how the mind, how your mind works while running, you know, a marathon.
1: Yeah, they've been different. Um, at some points they've been, like, I'll say like running is easy. So like when I'm running a marathon, obviously there's points that are challenging and difficult and I'm tired, but I try to bring it back to like, okay, like, like, you know, running is easy so I can, even though I'm not feeling great right now, like. I've ran this pace where it's felt easy before, you know, like at any given moment, like if I, if I can just run five minute pace, like I'm going to be doing okay. And it's like, there's been, i ran so many five minute miles that are really easy or like in the beginning of a marathon or in a workout, you know, the first mile or something five minute pace Hmm. can feel like very comfortable. So I just try to remind myself like, okay, like running is easy. Like I can do this, almost effortlessly. Like I can relax and do this. I don't have to be in this like redlining state of pushing and grinding, gritting my teeth super hard to like manufacture this, you know, thing we call running. Like I can just do it. Like it's easy. Um, So that's one thing like I told myself uh, before and I still say it a little bit now um, just to get myself to relax and to, to not force it and, and to just, you know, be able to do it. Um, and then now sometimes, like, I'll think of, like, my my family and, like, my kids and my wife and just, like, I'll, like, say their names or just, like, think about them. Because especially if I'm running someplace where they aren't there or, like, or maybe yeah. they are there, but, like, they're, you know, I know they're going to be at the finish line or whatever. They're not, like, with me in the moment. I'm just, like, remembering them and saying their names and just, like, trying to, um, yeah, I don't know, give me some, like, sense of, of comfort, but also, like, a bigger you know, reason of like, you know, why I'm, why I'm running. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I've had like, I've had like my daughter or my kids, I've had my kids at races before where it's like, I'll hit this moment where I'm like, yo, I could just, if I could just slow down or stop right now, that'd be great. (laughs) But then I'll kind of think like, oh, they're here at the finish line, you know, even though they probably don't care what time I finish, you know, like they're not like Oh my gosh this guy's you know like he, he said he was going to try to go for this time and he's passed it um they're not like that but i always kind of think like what would i want to be able to see them number one and tell in and, and not tell them but kind of know that i gave it everything to get there but then even when they're not there i try to position it like what would i tell my son like because he he runs cross country in track now too but like mm-hmm. or even my daughter too like she doesn't run but like what would i tell her what i about this moment you know like what i want her to to take from this like i could you know say like everybody goes through troubles or like moments where you just think you can't keep going in life in general um i try to like think about i gotta live up to something about that so that i can parent them you know in a way that is like real you know what i mean because like if you if you if you stop every time it gets a little challenging or whatever um you know, how are you going to, how are you going to tell your kids to like, keep pushing, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I've done that like with, with coaching too, because um, I coach college athletes. And so like things that I tell them in workouts or in races, um, then I'm thinking about like, yeah, I'm thinking about what exactly what you said, like, what am I normally telling them or what do I want to tell them? So yeah. then like, I tell my, tell myself that, um, and you know, it's, it's harder to to take your own advice when you're racing and going through it. But yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. But then also, you know, it's, it does help. Cause you're like, man, like I'm, I've been telling them this for like the past three months. Like now I gotta do it. Cause I've oh, been watching them sure. race all fall. Like now I have to do what, what they've done and what I've seen them do and what I've told them to do. So yeah, I think like for, for anybody in any sport or even any activity, like if you have someone that you like coach or mentor or like teach or whatever, like it also is going to help you um because yeah, you, you, you know, you don't want to be hypocritical or like you want to follow up like what you're saying. So, um, and, and it also gives you another perspective. So no matter where you're at, I think if you have like at least someone in life that you're somewhat teaching or coaching or parenting or something like that can help you in your own endeavors too
0: what uh i was gonna say like it's kind of segued into it. well like what have you learned or um what do you feel like you're better at since becoming like free in your own running but since becoming a coach uh,
1: i think i'm a little bit more uh kind of flexible with my own running or you know if i have like bad days i remember like in in high school um and then in in the college, if I'd had like bad races, um, or even some bad workouts, like it would just really get to me, you know, like mentally. It just, I don't know. I'd always want to come like prove myself the next workout or the next race. And it, it just like took like a lot, like it was very mentally kind of draining. Um, yeah. and like every workout was kind of a big deal. Um, but yeah, but, and then as I, you know, started coaching is like, the day-to-day your workout, like you're going to have some workouts that are good and some workouts that are bad. And like, even though I always knew that when you start coaching, like you really see that more. And so it's like, okay, like, you know, maybe you had a bad workout or like you didn't feel great the couple days leading up to the race. Like as a coach, like I know, like physically you're fine. Like nothing about you has changed physiologically. You're still in good shape. We've done all this other training. Like you can still race good, And, like, you don't need to freak out because you had this one bad workout or you had this week where you just felt kind of bad and, like, now you feel like you're never going to be able to run fast again or race good again. (laughs) Never again. Yeah, ever again. Yeah. Uh, So it's just – yeah, it just becomes more easy to see that as a coach because you deal with so many different athletes and you see it so much. So now, like, when I'm training and racing, it's like if I have those – those workouts that aren't good, they're still frustrating. Like I still get frustrated. I still get upset. I still have that feeling of like, oh man, I just want to like be able to nail this workout or, or I don't want to feel ups or like, I feel like I'm behind or I feel like yet, like yesterday, I- it makes sense now because I'm kind of feeling sick, but I just felt terrible during my workout. And I, I just wanted to like, kind of like cry, like just mainly because I was like exhausted. Like logically I was like, I know I'm going to be fine, but like, I was just like, I can't even run right now. Like, I just feel Mm -hmm. awful. Um, And so, yeah, like, in the past, that would have maybe dragged me down for, like, weeks or so. But now it's just like, okay, I know it doesn't matter. It's one day. It's fine. Even multiple days, like, you're going to have ebbs and flows. And I've seen – I've coached so many athletes that, like, they've they've looked great in workouts and the race doesn't quite go that well. Or they just looked – they just had these string of like bad workouts, but then they showed up and they and they raced when it mattered, and they just had a phenomenal workout. And it's like all of our work came together. And so, yeah, it's just it, it makes it more even and balanced for me. Like I I don't have so much ups and downs, and I can roll with kind of whatever happens. You know, I can I can get sick, I can have a little injury that makes my training not exactly the way I wanted it. Um, you know, I can take days off on where normally like the week of a race, I want to be feeling good every single day. So I have to run every day so I can remind myself I feel good. It's like, you know, (laughs) earlier in this block, like I, before my first race at two cities, I had been having this hamstring pain and I just took the two days before the race completely off, which I've never done. But it was just like, I was confident that like my fitness isn't going to change in two days. Like nothing is I'm fine. Yeah. Mentally. I just could not do that before I couldn't handle it. But now it's like, I can. So that's been the biggest is just the flexibility and the confidence of like knowing that for the most part, you're fine. Like you just have to not overthink it.
0: Yeah. I mean, we all know it too. Like we, we hear it so many times. It's like, you know, a couple missed a couple bombed workouts or in, I've even heard like, cause um, you know, my coach is actually is uh, Melissa Johnson White. Are you familiar? Um, She runs, she runs with Hanson's, uh, Hanson's Brooks. Oh okay, yeah, 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 yeah. So Melissa, like, she she's always told me that um, it's like if you don't have a couple really tough like workouts where you're close to bombing or bomb one of them or something, then I mean you're not maybe you're not even pushing. Like sometimes like having like a bombed workout means you're you're really reaching for like another level, a next level. So it's like you can embrace some of these workouts. Like if you gave it everything you had and you just really somehow couldn't get through it um but you gave it all you had like that's a that's a that you should pat yourself on the back for like for reaching that far because sometimes you can if you're in that moment in that thing where you're just kind of running the same workouts over and over um you could do like a workout in your sleep and like you know pat like say i nailed every workout this whole training block but did you like reach to that next level or did you try to like push yourself a little further so it's actually not a bad thing sometimes if you're kind of you know trying to break another barrier like if those people out there are, like trying to break four hours or break three hours and it's a big jump for you there's going to be workouts where you you it's going to be tough you know you there's going to be a workout where you might bomb and that's okay you know just recover and get back out there the next day you know yeah but yeah like so it, it's tough to it's tough in in the moment it's it feels terrible it's like especially like in the workout you're like oh my my whole my my goal race is is I might as well just not go to Boston now because because <laughs> like six weeks before I had a bad workout. But you can tell yourself some crazy stuff while you're out there. But as, as long as you can, like, come sit down and think about it, like one day is not going to do anything. Just eat well, recover, get your your recovery running the next day. And you should be, you will you know, a lot of times you crush the next workout. So it is what it is, you know. Um, But, yeah, so I'm, I need you to put your uh, your coaching hat on really quick. Are you ready? Okay. All right. So, so I, um, I, before you did your, your, your CIM Mexico double, um, I had signed up for Osaka, uh, marathon. And then I'm also going to be doing Tokyo marathon, which is seven days apart. Um, normal folks are telling me like, you're crazy. Why would you do that? You know, but there's obviously people that have done it, you know, many times and even several weekends in a row, they run a marathon, but I want your tips because, I mean, you didn't just run two marathons. Like, you literally ran them um, back-to-back in both very well within a very close, you know, um, time period or, you know, a finishing time. What do, what are your tips for me going to Japan, which is probably another level of, of difficulty, um, to do these two well? Like, because I have what, – what are we, like um, – eight weeks eight nine weeks out so i have some some time to maybe do things in training slightly different you know what i mean
1: yeah um yeah i mean and training will be a big part of it uh so just you know i i don't know how much mileage you typically run but typically if like for recovering for something like that where it's it's mainly gonna be how well your body holds up you know mileage is probably gonna be a little bit more important um a lot of times like mileage isn't always the answer, but I think for a race like this, where it's largely going to, or two races where it's largely going to depend on, can everything hold up for two marathons, you know, basically in a row, um, you know, just more mileage simply is probably going to help. Um, uh, But then along with more mileage, I think doing some very like intense, not necessarily intense, but, basically almost like all out speed stuff. Um, so sprinting, like basically hundred percent, um, uphill and downhill, but I'd have like, uh, uphill sprints are great, like as a start, but then also like sprinting all out flat. Um, and then even doing some, maybe not all out, maybe 95% um, downhill once you get used to sprinting, because that's gonna, um, that's basically like weightlifting or like ply, like plyometrics, like you know, plyometrics like will increase our efficiency and help us be a little bit more durable, but sprinting is just a, basically an advanced plyometric. Um, and so, yeah, if you can sprint, it's basically going to like, it's almost like really high intensity weight training too. It's going to like increase your, basically like your overall ceiling. Um, Mm -hmm. and so I think that's a, maybe an under, uh, an under weighted, I don't know what to say, underutilized thing for not getting sores, like just sprint. Because like, I remember one time I hadn't sprinted in a while and I just went and I did like 600 meter sprints and I was so (laughs) sore the next day. And it's like, because you you haven't used that power output. You haven't challenged those muscles to that degree of power, that maybe that range of motion, um, contracting that hard under. So, um, and and that can, you know, that's going to over uh kind of stimulate things and so like you you can get some you can get kind of hardened because of that so sprinting along with high mileage like if you just run a bunch of slow miles you know then you're gonna get really sore but if you do some sprinting um in addition to your normal like speed workouts like 400s mile repeats whatever you do tempo runs yeah um that's gonna help and then just like long you know maybe pushing it a little bit on your long runs um you don't necessarily have to run like more than a marathon distance, but having like, I'd want to have like a good amount of runs over 20 miles, you know, in that Mm -hmm. 20 to 25 range, maybe even a couple over, over distance. um, Just so, just so you know that you can, you can handle it pretty well. And then pacing once you get into the actual race, um, because usually we have little zones that we're pretty comfortable in where like we can run, and not be super sore. But then if we push five, 10 seconds a mile beyond that, um, then like we just, our legs just start to break down so much faster. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, like if you go out a little bit too quick, just in a single marathon, you may pay for it a little bit, but your those miles that like you're paying for it. You're going to be more sore than afterwards. Whereas if you start a little bit more conservatively, you stay within your range the whole time. You're probably not going to be as sore. And then I'd say, like, push at the end, but that last mile where, like, you really go to kick, like, that's really where I will feel more sore. Like, if I run a race and I just kind of, like, not cruise it in, but I just kind of run my normal pace in. You know, I'm I'm, I'm tired because it's a marathon, but it's different than when I'm just really battling that last 5K. And then I'm kicking and sprinting the last 400. Yeah. Like, those are the races I'm usually pretty wrecked after. So. Um, you know, I don't want to tell you not to run as hard as you can, but if you just <laughs> yeah. run consistently and in your zone, yeah, like you're gonna run relatively the same time anyways. Um, maybe save that last five seconds you could get out of the last four hundred for the second race, but um, and then I think oh can-
0: right, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's like remember that you're you know that, that it doesn't seem like a long like I only have a half mile left. Let me push um that you're only gaining maybe what 5 10 seconds probably in that anyway. I mean you're not unless you're dropping your pace by like what, 40 50 seconds but you're not doing by that point but um it's easy to to push right there instead of just like holding off for sure.
1: Yeah. But yeah, and yeah, and a lot of that will be like in the first like 10 miles of your race. Like if you've if you ran, you know, maybe 10 15 seconds a mile faster than you're anticipated, <laughs> then those oh. last those last like 5 10 miles can be really hard, which in a marathon sometimes is fine. But when you have another one, it's like, you're just really going to be kind of, yeah. 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 I mean, yeah,
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's like, and and I'm just, I'm right now, I'm still trying to like figure out which race is going to be like the one that I, you know, place more like importance of time on. Um, So I'm just trying to figure that out too. And like, I've already done, uh, I just did an 18 miler last, this last past Sunday, which I think that typically I probably wouldn't have been an 18 just yet. Um, so I think we're, we're, we're probably going to, just to give you like a range, like for, for Boston, like last, this, this year, I think I got up to like, you know, like maybe mid seventies. Um, the most I've done was like mid eighties for, for, for a trend for a race. But I think this time we're going to get to like mid nineties leading up to the first one. Um, so I think that there's some consideration of like more mileage will will hopefully mean more endurance or more, um, you know, ability to like snap back from one to the next. So, yeah, I, I'll, both, I'll definitely.
1: They're both hmm. pretty flat, right?
0: Yes, yes. I think, the, I think they're both very flat, actually. And I guess so apparently yeah, they're both fast, too.
1: Yeah, so you're, I mean, again, if you're if you pacing within that zone that you normally run in, I, I think you'll end up being fine. Like the hilly races are hard because you have those, I mean, hill downhills have a lot more impact but also like you're running faster than you know you normally would so it's just it's more force more impact your larger ranges of motion Um, but in a flat race you know you can stay kind of in that zone like if i ran the like when i ran i ran two cities marathon like a month before my back-to-back ones and i ran two eleven thirty four, and i mean i just walked to my car after drove home and i was I was fine. I mean, it was like, cause I, I hadn't pushed myself like a hundred percent where I was just giving everything I had, but I was still running within the zone like that I wanted to. And it was still pretty close to like my fastest ever. You know, I was only a minute off my PR, but it was just a perfectly flat course. Everything was, was within limits of what I had done before. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, there wasn't anything to really take me out. Now, when I ran CIM, that was I only ran 30 seconds faster than I did at two cities, but like just all the downhills, you're going faster on the downs. You have some miles in the four forties. Then you mm-hmm. have like ups and stuff. And so like that race, I was way more sore than I was for two cities. And then after the, the Mexicali one, um, I mean, I had almost zero, like I felt great. Just- <laughs> like the next day yeah. I was fine. So I think the two oh races, you might not feel fine, but I think you'll be able to do it. And then, I would also just try to keep moving. Like the, I really like doubling. I maybe don't don't have to double, but like go on a walk like that. Even like if the race is early morning, oh okay. You know, go on a walk or get on a bike or do kind of something. Yeah. I feel I just I don't know. I feel it. People think I'm crazy, but I feel so much better when I do a little double or something. Even after like hard long runs. So you, maybe you could experiment with it. After one of your $20, uh, just go for a really easy, like three mile run in the afternoon or, or on like a bike ride for 30 minutes or yeah. something. Um, you know, and then the next day will be pretty easy to, or if you normally take an off day, you, that can be a normal off day or whatever. But um, I think the the movements help me. And for me, the number, it's not necessarily the number of days I recover, but it's the number of sessions. So I feel like when I'm doubling, it's like, oh, well, if it's, if I r- raced on Sunday, if I double and then I do two easy runs on monday that's three sessions i had three sessions of recovery (laughs) so then by tuesday i'm good (laughs) it doesn't always work like that but uh i think maybe there is something to it if you've trained somewhat like that um it can kind of accelerate the recovery process or or keep your body in that zone of like hey i'm still training i'm still racing so like you can't just shut down oh right recover like we're we're racing again next week yeah, you know just like when you train like you don't you do your long runs like you're gonna you know you do your 18 milers or yeah. it's gonna build up like 22 but then two three days later you're gonna be doing a speed workout so like you don't have yeah. all this time to just sit around and do nothing like you you know and you don't even yeah. think twice right. about it whereas that i mean that 22 miles is i mean that's that's a lot a marathon, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. yeah yeah
0: yeah and uh so what well, yeah one of the things for sure that like that when you when you in the beginning that i'm like oh that could probably that that's that's plays a big role in that, that ability to go back and do it again is that like you know a lot of your longer runs you are very close to to your race pace um maybe not necessarily the whole run i'm assuming you kind of ramp it up or maybe you just like get out of the gate i'm not really sure but it,
1: it depends a lot of times yeah. i'll kind of progress down but
0: yeah 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 and i feel like that could there's yeah you know uh as an amateur i guess like there's not uh we don't tend to get that close to race pace typically on a on a long run unless it's like programmed then or something like that um but i feel like as i've gotten better like i started running in 2018 so i've been only running for five years um and as i'm getting more used to this thing then like we're starting to kind of like get it moving on, on, on long run days and have a little more fun with it, I guess, and kind of push because it's like you're out there forever anyway. So you might as well go a little <laughs> faster. Um, but yeah, no, I appreciate the tips and I'll, I'd love to like, kind of like, I'll shoot you messages every now and then let you know, like how, how I'm doing. And I appreciate the, uh, appreciate it. Cause coming from somebody that just ran, you know, back to back two elevens 11s, basically um, I, I take all the tips I can get from you, man.
1: Yeah, for the for the people that I coach online, that you know typically are maybe running around three hours or between like two forty to like three hours is a bulk of what I coach. They've they've run a lot of the marathons, so like they've they've done the distance. They they're not new to running. So once we kind of once they're in that uh, genre, like they they've ran a lot. They, it's not their first time doing twenty miles. Then it's like okay, when we're training after we're in decent shape, I try to have most of the long runs be within 20 to 30 seconds of of mm-hmm. marathon race pace 30 seconds is typically pretty easy and then you know sometimes they'll start at like 20 seconds and then sometimes get on like a day they feel good finish fairly close to their marathon race pace mm-hmm. and that just becomes a normal week like it's not anything special i'll just put like 20 miles moderate or 22 miles moderate on the schedule and if they if their race pace is uh like 610 pace then they're running that 20 miles moderate at like 630 to 640 pace maybe starting a little slower and progressing down a little bit but most of the runs within like a 20 second range there's not like this yes. huge progression but so yeah and then and like you know maybe the first season we work together that's a little weird at first but but pretty much almost 100 percent of the people i coach now like they're fine doing that and they, yeah. they end up feeling good and we may not have a PR race every time, but our marathon, the marathon races are pretty on, like, I mean, you know, we typically know almost exactly what they're going to run within a few minutes. And yeah, um, so
0: yeah, because they're, they're so used to, you know, being able to, to like hold pace. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man. So I no, I appreciate it. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I know it's going to be tough, uh, but I'll be doing, I'll be running that after, after your your, your Orlando marathon that's coming up. It's a little old thing that um, has a few loops around <laughs> Orlando. I had a chance to go down there and kind of see the course uh, and kind of preview it a bit. Um, and it, it seems like it'll fit right into, to someone like you that kind of like that, you know, you're a, I mean, to my to my knowledge of what I've seen, you're like you're a grinder, like you'll get out there and hold pace and then just stay with the pack and go. Um, there's some straightaways that should be pretty fun to watch on TV for sure. Um, how, what on, on the excitement level? I mean, I know we've got two months, a little little over two months left. Right. Or less than that. Uh, right. It's
1: like, no, it's less. No, than it's no. like five and a half weeks now.
0: Five, <laughs> yeah, so. So are, have you let yourself like get excited about this yet or are you just still kind of head down? um you know plugging away
1: um yeah i mean i'm pretty excited um i mean it still feels like there's a good amount of training that i have to do um but yeah i mean i'm definitely definitely excited and just ready to to be really fit and then in the race
0: yeah all right, man. Well, I'll definitely be checking, checking for you. Um, hopefully I'll be down there kind of spectating or whatever. That'd be really cool to kind of see you go by a few times there. Um, good luck on the rest of your training and shaking off that little bug that you got going on. And to be honest, like, it's really cool to be able to talk to you because I've, I've like watched you a few different times on TV. And the way that you run and the courage you run with is super inspiring. So um, thanks for sitting with us and chatting.
1: Uh, yeah, thank you. Good luck in both of your races.
0: Oh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I'll t- trust me. I will let you know. <laughs> cool. Cool. Whew. So that was a good episode. I had a great conversation. So much to take away from that one, because I feel like there's so many times where in this journey like we could use just a little bit of advice of how to put things together and how to string together big efforts and big workouts and big runs and then also at the same time i loved how someone as a professional runner and a coach now could take away the moment of like you know what i can have a little bit more leeway in my life i can have a little more like oh if i didn't hit that workout as well as i thought i wanted to it's still okay because i know if i speak for myself i'm not a professional runner at all and sometimes i have a bad workout or like a bad run and i think about it for like days so i love that he of all people that's going for the you know the olympic trials in just a couple weeks you know can still say like hey um it's okay to like bomb a workout or have not the best race or whatever you can move on there's things to be learned you don't have to nail every run or every workout so i love that part of it as well and it was kind of a surprise for for me to hear that, you know, um, that he learned that as a coach and he's applied that to his own professional running life. So thanks so much, CJ, for the information. Thank you so much for all the tips on hopefully how I can run Osaka in Tokyo well. Um, And then actually just added some layers on like how I could just be a stronger, better, faster recovering, you know, amateur runner. So thanks so much for your time good luck in Orlando. If you are listening to this, make sure you tune in or tap in with the Olympic trials uh, on the 3rd, I believe it is, of February in Orlando. Um, It's going to be a great day. CJ is going to be going out and trying to make sure that he's top three for the Olympic trials to go to the Olympics and represent the U.S. So Big shout out to CJ. Thanks for joining the show. Then also, good luck in Orlando. Thanks for listening, guys. Make sure you follow CJ on Instagram. Follow the Running Sleep Show on Instagram. And if you are not already subscribed to this podcast, leave a review or something like that. Share it with a friend. Post about it on Instagram. We want more followers. We want more subscribers. We want more engagement so that we can keep getting good guests. Thank you. Run, eat, sleep, and repeat. Thank you.